1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Chris and Nick Show here on Big Blue View Radio. I am one of the hosts, Nick Pilato, joined, as always, by Chris Flum. And if I sound any different, audience, it's because I am currently at my parents' house in New Jersey. There is a Thomas the Tank Engine train, a choo-choo train, behind me at the moment for my niece. So if the audio quality is a little bit worse, it's just because I am not in my office back in Arizona. But Chris, how are you doing, friend?
2: Yeah, I am doing well. I currently have... No, tank engines of any description around me, so I should sound pretty normal.
1: You're lost. You're lost, buddy. But let's get in. (laughs) Let's get into some of this recent news. First off, and at the time of this recording, we are not certain if the Giants have signed this defensive lineman. But we have to bring up the fact that they're hosting defensive lineman Super Bowl champion A. Sean Robinson, a 28 year old who looks like he's about 55, (laughs) but if the Giants were to go in this direction, Chris, I think it says a couple different things, right? Because if they go in this direction, Ashawn Robinson is, is a good defensive lineman, right? And I, and I believe you need to add that type of depth. But there is this lingering question about Leonard Williams' contract. He's getting paid $32 million if nothing is restructured, right, with Leonard Williams. So if the Giants were to add A'shaun Robinson, do you think that says anything about leonard williams do you think it's maybe a contingency plan just in case the two sides can never come to some sort of reconciliation on that contract what's your opinion on this do you think it's just depth what do you think chris
2: um i think kind of all of the above uh a sean robinson should be good depth for the giants like yes they just side nacho he will probably be their starting nose tackle uh basically making it so Dexter Lawrence doesn't have to play the nose. They can move him around, uh, use his power, his athleticism to create matchups and exploit those matchups. But then having Nacho there as the kind of primary run stuffer up in the middle who can who can disrupt in the backfield, who can get skinny. Then you've got Leonard Williams and Sean Robinson who have uh, – they are both, I would definitely say – better run defenders than pass rushers. Uh, I believe Robinson only has about five and a half sacks to his name, but he is really a very good run defender. Now he missed seven games last year after he got put on the IR with a torn meniscus, needed surgery. I've looked around. I haven't seen that he needed microfracture surgery to repair the injury. So hopefully this just basically just quick stitch it up, Stitch his knee back together, more or less, and he should be good to go. I don't think there's going to be any concerns with uh, arthritis or anything like that. But with respect to Leonard Williams, you know, that $32 million is a lot for a defensive tackle. And especially one who isn't um, Aaron Donald. Or isn't
1: even the best defensive tackle on his team.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that has to, I think, get addressed. Uh, The Giants kind of find themselves in the position of once again needing cap room to give themselves flexibility for the season, the ability to sign their draft class and be able to just deal with injuries and just attrition during the season as it happens, which uh, is something Giants fans should be pretty familiar with by this point.
1: Absolutely. And one interesting fact about A'shaun Robbins and his birthday... Is tomorrow as of this recording his birthday is march 21st so he's about to turn 28 years old maybe he'll sign that contract with the giants on his birthday we'll have to wait and see how that all materializes but i do believe the addition of a sean robinson would significantly benefit the new york giants depth along the defensive line which was one of their biggest issues last season after nick williams got injured against seattle and i do think it is somewhat of a contingency plan for leonard williams who i believe the new york giants want leonard williams is a good football player when he is healthy but at that price tag it's just a little bit unreasonable to even fathom the fact that he might be making 32 million dollars this year so joe shane will have to address that and i'm sure we'll be covering it pretty extensively over there at big blue view but there's another player that the giants are hosting and that is leonard johnson a former cornerback from duke who tore his acl in preparation for the Combine last year. So we know the Giants, we know Wink Martindale, they need cornerbacks. I'm, I'm all about bringing in guys, hosting them, giving them the workout, see if they fit with what Wink Martindale wants to do. But the Giants have not added a cornerback yet. You know that they're going to be addressing that position in the draft. And right now they're just looking for young players who can possibly be added to this roster. And it looks like Leonard Johnson has caught their eye. Yeah, he is, he would, if he is added, he would probably
2: just be a depth piece, maybe even just a practice squad player, but just thinking back to Johnson, before he got injured during last year's draft prep, he was, he's got pretty good size. He's about six foot 195, a decent length arms, 31 inch arms, and he had decent movement skills, uh, I believe he was able to complete his broad jump, which was about ten feet, ten foot five, and his three cone, which is, was a which was a six eighty seven, which is pretty good. Uh, not as good as some of the freaks out there, but still uh, absolutely adequate. At Duke, he was kind of more of a press corner, and you can I can understand how that would appeal to Wink Martindale and the Giants just bring him in for a look see what he's got see where he is in his return from injury because maybe he caught somebody's eye in the Giants scouting department last year and maybe they had him as like a priority free agent and now they want to take the the opportunity when nobody else is really looking at him to maybe snatch him up but i i believe cornerback should be a priority for the Giants in this draft because yeah, we we saw what happened when Adoree Jackson went down, and he kind of has a history of injury at this point.
1: And I have to say, the Fabian Moroes and the Nick McLeods of the world, they all filled in admirably when, when Adoree Jackson ended up getting injured. But at the same time, we knew that that was a weak point of the Wink-Martindale defense. So just as much depth, as much competition, you're never going to hear me complain about a team trying to bring in competition. And both of this kid's interceptions from the 2021 season – they were pretty impressive. I mean, they were both in the the flat. So it says something, right? Like in, cor- in cover two type of defenses, if you are a press cornerback who has that length and knows how to exercise press technique, you could sit there in the flat and you could bait a couple interceptions like he did because both of them were in the flat. One was against Georgia Tech where – he tried to get where the uh, Georgia Tech team, the, the offense, tried to high-low him. and He just stayed patient, sat on the low route, and when the quarterback pulled the trigger, he just jumped it, click and close, take it, almost took it to the house, didn't have the long speed to beat the corner, corner or quarterback to the sidelines, and then the other one was against Northwestern in that same part of the field. So I mean, that's just one thing about him. Like I haven't studied his film extensively. If the Giants sign him. I'll definitely have something on Big Blue View about his final year in college, but those were the two interceptions that I remember from – from one Leonard Johnson. And one more thing I, I think we need to touch on before we get into discussing the NFC East, what's going on in the NFC East. And that's Laramie Tunsil. He signed with the Texans on a three-year, $75 million deal. That's about $25 million a year with $50 million guaranteed. And this is really important for the New York Giants because the Laramie Tunsil domino was a domino that had to fall right before one, Andrew Thomas more than likely gets extended, gets resigned to the New York football giants. And now Larry Tunsil becomes that highest paid tackle at 25 a year, just ahead of David Bakhtiari of the Packers and Trent Williams of the 49ers. So if you look at, if you look at Andrew Thomas, man, he's probably going to get more than 25 a year.
2: Yes. And I would assume he's going to get more than three years added on to his deal. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if his eventual extension is four or even five years long, basically lock him up until he's, a until he's 30 or maybe 29. So he could try to get one more bite of that apple before age 30. I, I would almost at this point, look at 25 million a year as his floor right now. And I think the longer the giants wait to extend him, the worse that eventual contract is going to be, you know, this is something we've brought up a few times on this podcast. I think it is notable that Brandon Brown is basically Joe Shane's number two and the Giants snaked him away from the Philadelphia Eagles. And that is how the Eagles have managed to keep the core of their team together so long while also being generally financially healthy.
1: Yeah, they've been one of the best cap teams in the last decade, them and the saints have just done wonders to manipulate the cap and maximize years and compete. And they've done a pretty damn good job doing that. And it seems like the giants might follow a similar type of trajectory. We'll have to wait and see how some of these contracts look. And Dexter Lawrence and and Andrew Thomas are the two contracts that I'm going to be really paying attention to. Whenever Joe Shane and this front office decide to extend them, resign them, whatever you want to say. But before we get to this little, Breakdown synopsis of the NFC East. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors here at SB Nation.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference.
1: All right, Chris, let's talk first about the defending NFC champions, and that is those Philadelphia Eagles who we knew they were going to lose some key critical pieces on their team. And they did, but they were still able to retain a decent amount of their players. They were able to retain Darius Slay. James Bradbury, so that cornerback tandem is coming back. They were able to bring back Fletcher Cox, who I feel like a lot of us expected. Jason Kelsey, obviously, that sucks because he's really good. And Brandon Graham on the defensive line, just players who are Eagles through and through, it seems like. But they did lose some key pieces as well. And I just wanted to ask you your opinion on the Philadelphia Eagles and where they stand heading into the 2022 season, 2023 season.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I... I I kind of expect the Eagles to take a step back. Now, how big of a step back will depend on what the rest of their offseason looks like because they still have a they they have far more draft capital than a team that was playing in the Super Bowl has any right to have. You know, they've got four picks in the top 100. They've got a top 10 pick. They they have the ammo to replace the guys that they have lost in particular Chauncey Gardner-Johnson and Javon Hargrave who went to the San Francisco 49ers so the Giants are going to still have to see him again in 2023 but that top 10 pick in particular kind of stands out to me uh our buddy Kunal Shah uh otherwise known as Invictus 11 he is he did a mock draft recently and he had the eagles taking jalen carter out of out of georgia and man i don't want to think about them being able to add that level of talent
1: no that that would be disgusting jordan davis and jalen carter being reunited with the philadelphia eagles are you kidding me i don't know if if he'll fall that far but the jalen carter situation is is one that you know you just got to I guess, monitor, it's a little bit unpredictable right now because there are a lot of question marks about about him as a person, which you never know how NFL teams are going to weigh that.
2: Yeah, exactly. It kind of reminds me of the Laramie Tunsil situation back when he was in the draft, and you had that gas mask video come out like minutes before the draft started, and he dropped from possibly being a top five pick all the way down to the bottom of the draft.
1: Oh, man, the Laramie Tunsil situation. I've said this several times on podcast, but that specific situation led the Giants because that was 2015, right? Like I, I feel like that changed the trajectory of the Giants because and I and I feel like it is separate from this just because Jalen Carter can at least talk to teams and be like, hey, this is this. If he can like present himself well, teams might be able to trust him. That dropped 15 minutes before the draft and people were freaking freaking out. And it ended up resulting in the Giants selecting Eli Apple because Laramie Tunsil more than likely would have been the first, the second pick in the draft. And that would have bumped tackles down the line to the point where the Giants could have ended up with jack conklin or ronnie stanley that year and i think you'll like the giants tackle situation would have been much more solidified if that's what the if that's what jerry reese would have done but instead everybody panicked The me tonsil fell past the giants they didn't want to take him, and they ended up taking a guy who they barely talked to reportedly in the pre-draft process in eli apple so i always think like that situation led to the giants not selecting a tackle which led to the end of eli manning's career just getting hit because his two tackles were bobby freaking hart and eric Flowers. so i digress but that's that's my theory on it. I could be wrong.
2: Yeah, these these kind of dominoes always seem to fall in the draft. And it, it it is one of the more fascinating things about the draft and why redrafts are always so interesting, how one player being drafted higher than expected or another player unexpectedly falling can really have just seismic effects on the entire draft board. And again, that, that, that's kind of why I want to see how the rest of the offseason shakes out before I decide whether or not the Eagles and also the Cowboys are going to be taking steps back.
1: Yeah, and that's the 2016 draft. And if we remember that too, man, that was the draft where everybody knew the Giants wanted Leonard Floyd or Jack Conklin or Ronnie Stanley, one of those three, and the the Bears and the Titans got Jack Conklin Leonard Floyd at eight and nine right before the Giants selected Eli Apple at 10. So it was like everything just seemed to go wrong for the New York Giants in that draft, and people were jumping over them to select the guys that they reportedly wanted. It was just an absolute nightmare.
2: Yeah, it really was, and a whole lot of conspiracy theories came out of, came out of that sequence of events and Oh, well, that was, what, seven years ago? (laughs) We have more pressing matters.
1: 2016, yeah. That seems like yesterday, though. But, yes, more pressing matters. And just to stick with the Eagles a little bit, you're right. They lost Javon Hargrave to the 49ers. Talk about the rich getting richer on the defensive front with the 49ers. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, he's going to Detroit now. I don't know what happened with him in Philadelphia. They traded for him. You think they would resign him for whatever reason. They did not. I don't really have the inside information on what's going on there. But they lost Miles Sanders, gained Rashad Penny. It's a little concerning because if Rashad Penny can stay healthy, which is a big freaking if, Chris. Yeah, Rashad sure. Penny is a better running back than Miles Sanders. Like Rashad Penny is a legit running back. His only issue is he gets injured every single season. Yeah, he really does. But
2: unfortunately, Boston Scott is still in Philly. So it (laughs) it almost doesn't matter if Rashad Penny gets hurt when the Eagles play the giants. Yeah. They're still going to have freaking Boston Scott
1: there. Boston Scott, man. It's crazy. Dude's like five foot six and he's just absolutely Thanos on the New York giants. Every time they play (laughs) him. I can't even understand it, but good for Boston Scott, I guess. Bad for us. Cowboys, Chris Cowboys. They trade for two veterans, two guys who everybody seems to know around the NFL. Brendan Cooks from the Houston Texans, who Houston seems like, and Brendan Cooks seem like they've been in a contentious relationship for quite a while. Finally, he gets dealt within state to the Dallas Cowboys for a fifth and a sixth round pick. I would say that's a pretty good deal for Dallas, right? If Brendan Cooks can give you 75 to 80% of what Amari Cooper was giving you which is just insane to me, Chris, just to, before we get into the next guy. They traded Amari Cooper for, like, nothing. And Amari Cooper, I don't know about you, Chris, I think Amari Cooper's a damn good wide receiver, like a very good route runner, like a good wide receiver. They traded him for, like, nothing, dude.
2: Yeah, I, I could not figure that move out when they made it yeah. because, yeah, uh, Amari Cooper is a legitimate number one wide receiver. Yes, they've got C.D. Lamb. Yes, they've got Michael Gallup. But – having Amari Cooper really set those two guys up with just incredible matchup potential. And Amari Cooper was really the among their skill position players. Everybody pointed to Zeke, but Amari Cooper was the straw that that stirred the drink down there in in Dallas.
1: You'll never hear any of us, or probably people who listen to this podcast, complain about the fact that the Cowboys traded somebody for like not even half of what he was worth. I think it was like a six-round pick they got back. And I get it. There was cap implications. That was the reason why they made the trade. But when you looked at that time at the receiver market and what other teams were paying for premium wide receivers, if you were to tell me that Amari Cooper would only go for like a six-round pick, I'd be like, what are you, absolutely insane? Anyways, they also traded for Stefan Gilmore, which I feel like low-key. This is an excellent move for Dan Quinn's defense. I know he's getting a little bit long in the tooth, but they only traded a fifth-round pick to get a cornerback who is still, in my opinion, a number one cornerback in the league. Yes,
2: absolutely, and
1: the scary
2: part about this is it having Steph Gilmore there doesn't allow opposing offenses to avoid Trevin Diggs. Like they can't just go elsewhere, because if you go elsewhere, Gilmore's there, and yeah, he he isn't the same player he was for Buffalo or New England but he is still a good corner. He just happened to be on a terrible defense or a terrible team in general with the Colts last year. So he's going to be benefiting from the pressure that that Dallas front seven is capable of generating. He's going to have an absolute ball Hawk across from him. And that really does create problems for an offense
1: it creates problems chris man but like what has dan quinn been doing with his defense because we all remember him from his time in seattle it was cover three that was like the the defense that was in vogue back then then he goes down to atlanta and he has that similar type of defensive approach but with dallas he's altered his defense to be much more man coverage still middle of the field close because he runs a lot of cover one but when you have two man cover cornerbacks you don't necessarily want to throw the football to and Steph Gilmore and Trevon Diggs i mean that's just going to that's going to give offenses just an absolute fit, especially when you have Micah Parsons rushing the passer, and you have that pass rush if DeMarcus Lawrence is is healthy. So I think this is a really good move for the Dallas Cowboys if Gilmore can maintain his level of play from last season, which I still feel like was pretty damn solid cornerback, albeit he wasn't playing too much man coverage with the Colts because they were a little bit more zone-centric with Gus Bradley as their coordinator.
2: Yes, and I I would trust Dan Quinn to not put Gilmore in – positions that aren't tenable and that's about a triple negative but (laughs) this is a podcast this isn't english class but I I, i i i i would have faith that dan quinn would use gilmore to the best of his abilities, try to highlight his strengths and minimize his weaknesses. Now, the question is, how do you attack that defense? You're going to have to have the ball coming out quick or use your tight end and running back in pass protection to slow down those pass rushers. You are probably going to want to attack maybe the seams between the corners, and that middle of the field safety, maybe a try to attack the linebacker position for the giants. That could make Darren Waller a really, really valuable addition because he's not going to be going up against either of those guys. He would probably be going up against maybe It'd Van Cresh. Yeah. Curse. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Curse is a beast at guarding tight ends, but Waller That's can great. still win. Waller can still win that situation.
2: Yeah. And ha- and then you have Brandon Cooks coming in on the other side, giving Dallas the, the passing firepower they've kind of lacked without Amari Cooper there. Maybe they get back to scoring more points and uh, using their offense to pressure opposing offenses away from ha- being able to run the ball and having to throw the ball just to keep up. And again, that would play to the strengths of that defense.
1: And uh, Chris, you have anything else before we get out of here?
2: Nope that's that's about it. Uh just have a good, safe flight back to Arizona, man.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much, and we will be back at the end of the week to discuss maybe some immediate future plans for the New York Giants, and maybe lay out a little bit of a, a little bit of a format on what the Giants might be looking at in the draft, like what positions might they be looking to attack? Because free agency sometimes, Chris, it can lay that foundation of what the Giants might be doing in the subsequent huge event during the NFL offseason, which is the NFL draft. And we cannot wait for the NFL draft. I know I can, I know you can, and I know the listeners can't. So we will be covering it extensively over at Big Blue View and right here on this podcast. So if you can head on over to Big Blue View, check that out. And also like and subscribe to this comment or this podcast. That would be Awesome. Thank you so much, everyone, and have a lovely day.